Section twenty seven of the Chouans by Honore de Balzac. Translated by Ellen Marriage. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bruce Peary. Chapter three L. Are you sure about this yarn of yours, old woman? said Hulot to Barbette, who had recognized him as she came into Fougere. Have you eyes in your head? There! Look over there at the rocks of Saint-Sulpice, master, to the right of Saint-Léonard. Corentin scanned the ridge in the direction indicated by Barbette's finger. The fog began to clear off a little, so that he could distinctly see the column of pale smoke of which Galop Chopin's widow had spoken. But when is he coming, eh, old woman? This evening or tonight? I know nothing about it, master, Barbette answered. Why do you betray your own side? asked Hulot sharply, when he had drawn the peasant woman a few paces away from Corentin. Ah, my lord general, look at my lad's foot. See, it is dipped in my husband's blood. The Schumanns butchered him like a calf, begging your pardon, to punish him for those three words that you got out of me when I was at work the day before yesterday. Take my ga, since you have made him fatherless and motherless, but make a thorough blue of him, master, so that he may kill many Schumanns. Look, here are two hundred crowns take charge of them for him with care they ought to last him a long time for it took his father twelve years to get them together hulot stared in amazement at the peasant woman her wrinkled face was white and her eyes were tearless but what will become of you yourself mother it would be better if you took charge of the money yourself she shook her head sadly i need nothing more now you might clap me into the dungeons below melusina's tower there and she pointed to one of the towers of the castle and the shuans would find means to get at me and kill me there she clasped her little lad in her arms and her brow was dark with pain as she looked at him two tears fell from her eyes and with one more look at him she vanished commandant said corentin here is an opportunity and if we mean to profit by it we shall require two hard heads rather than one we know everything and yet we know nothing if we were to encompass mademoiselle de vernoy's house at once we should set her against us and you and i and your countershuans and both your battalions all put together would be no match for that girl if she has taken it into her head to save her ci-devant the fellow is a courtier and consequently he is crafty he is a young man moreover and mettlesome we could never get possession of him as he enters fougere he may possibly be in fougere already and as for making domiciliary visits the thing would be absurd we should not take anything by it it would give the alarm and it would plague the townspeople i shall order the sentry on guard at st leonard to lengthen his round by two or three paces said hulot out of patience 
in that way he will come in front of mademoiselle de vernoy's house i shall arrange for every sentinel to give a signal and i myself shall wait in the guard-house then when they let me know that any young man whatever has entered the town i shall take a corporal and four men with me and and how if the young man is not the marquis after all said corentin interrupting the impetuous soldier how if the marquis enters by none of the gates if he is in mademoiselle de vernoy's house already if if corentin looked at the commandant with an air of superiority in which there was something so offensive that the old soldier exclaimed mille tonnerre de dieu go about your business citizen of hell what is all that to me if this cockchafer tumbles into one of my guard-houses there is no help for it but i must shoot him if i hear that he is in a house there is no help for it but i must search the house and take him and shoot him but the devil fetch me if i will cudgel my brains to soil my uniform commandant the letter from the three ministers orders you to obey mademoiselle de vernoy let her come to me herself citizen and then i will see what i will do very good citizen corentin answered stiffly she will not be very long about it she shall tell you herself the hour and the minute when the ci-devant comes possibly she will not be content until she has seen you post the sentries and surround her house he is the devil incarnate said hulot plaintively as he watched corentin stride back up the queen's staircase where all this had taken place and reach st leonard's gate he is for betraying the citizen montauran to me bound hand and foot the chief of demi-brigade went on speaking to himself and i shall have the plague of presiding at a court-martial after all said he with a shrug of his shoulders the guy is an enemy of the republic he killed my poor friend gerard and in any case he is an aristocrat but the devil take it he turned quickly on his heel and set out to go the rounds of the town whistling the marseillaise as he went mademoiselle de vernoy was steeped in those musings whose secrets lie buried as it were in the inmost depths of the soul musings made up of numberless thoughts and emotions at war with one another which have often proved to those who have suffered from them that a stormy and passionate life may be lived within four walls nay without even leaving the ottoman whereon existence is burning itself away the girl who was now face to face with the catastrophe of a drama of her own seeking reviewed each scene of love or anger that had stimulated life so powerfully during the ten days that had elapsed since she first met the marquis while she mused the sound of a man's footstep echoing in the adjoining salon made her tremble the door opened she turned her head quickly and saw corentin little trickster 
said the superior agent of police so you still have a mind to deceive me oh marie marie you are playing a very dangerous game when you determine on the strokes without consulting me and do not attach me to your interests if the marquis has escaped his fate it has been through no fault of yours is that not what you mean said mademoiselle de vernoy with poignant irony what right have you to enter my house a second time she went on severely your house he queried in bitter tones you remind me she replied with dignity that i am not in my own house perhaps you deliberately chose it out so that you might the more surely do your murderous work here i will go out of it i would go out into a desert rather than receive spies speak out corentin concluded but this house is neither yours nor mine it belongs to the government and as for leaving it he added with a diabolical glance at her you will do nothing of the kind an indignant impulse brought mademoiselle de vernoy to her feet she made a step or two towards him but suddenly came to a standstill for she saw corentin raise the curtain over the window and the smile with which he asked her to join him do you see that column of smoke he said with the unshaken calmness which he knew how to preserve in his haggard face however deeply his feelings had been stirred what connection can there possibly be between my departure and those weeds that they are burning she inquired why is your voice so changed asked corentin poor little thing he added in gentle tones i know everything the marquis is coming to fougeres to-day and you had no purpose in your mind of giving him up to us when you set this boudoir in such festive array with flowers and lights mademoiselle de vernoy turned pale she read montauran's death warrant in the eyes of this tiger in human shape and the love within her for her lover grew to frenzy every hair of her head seemed to be a source of hideous and intolerable pain and she sat down upon the ottoman for a moment corentin stood with his arms folded across his chest he was half pleased at the sight of a torture which avenged all the sarcasms and scorn that the woman before him had heaped upon his head half vexed to see a being suffer whose yoke he had liked to bear heavily though it had lain on him she loves him he said in a smothered voice loves him she cried what does that word signify corentin he is my life my soul my very breath the man's calmness appalled her she flung herself at his feet sordid soul she cried i would rather abase myself to obtain his life than abase myself to take it save him i will at the price of every drop of blood in me 
speak what do you want corentin trembled i came to take my orders from you marie he said in dulcet tones as he raised her with polished grace yes marie your insults will not check my devotion to you provided that you never deceive me again as you know marie no one ever fools me and goes scatheless oh if you want me to love you corentin help me to save him well when is the marquis coming he said forcing himself to ask the question calmly alas i do not know they both looked at each other in silence i am lost said mademoiselle de vernoy to herself she is playing me false thought corentin marie he went on i have two maxims one is never to believe a word that women say which is the way to avoid being gulled by them and the other is always to seek to discover whether they have not some motive for doing the very opposite of the thing they say and for behaving in a fashion the very reverse of the course of action which they are kind enough to disclose to us in confidence now we understand each other i think admirably replied mademoiselle de vernoy you require proofs of my good faith but i am holding them back until you shall give me proofs of yours good-bye mademoiselle said corentin dryly come the girl said smiling at him sit down seat yourself there and do not be sulky or i shall readily find means to save the marquis without your aid as for the three hundred thousand francs that are always spread out before your eyes i can lay them there upon the chimney-piece in gold for you the moment that the marquis is in safety corentin rose to his feet drew back several paces and looked at mademoiselle de verneuil you have grown rich in a very short time said he with ill-concealed bitterness in his tones montereau himself could offer you very much more for his ransom said marie with a pitying smile so prove to me that it is in your power to protect him against all dangers and could you not arrange for him to escape the very moment that he arrives corentin exclaimed suddenly for hulot does not know the hour and he broke off as though he blamed himself for having said too much but can it be that you are asking me for a stratagem he went on smiling in the most natural manner listen marie i am certain of your good faith promise that you will make good to me all that i am losing by serving you 
and i will see that that blockhead of a commandant shall sleep so soundly that the marquis will be as much at liberty here in fougeres as in st james itself i give you my word the girl said with a kind of solemnity not in that way though he said swear it by your mother mademoiselle de vernoy shivered then she raised a trembling hand and took the oath the man required of her his manners underwent an instant change you may do what you will with me said corentin do not deceive me and you will bless me this evening i believe you corentin exclaimed mademoiselle de vernoy quite softened towards him she bowed graciously as she took leave of him and there was a kindliness not unmingled with wonder in her smile when she saw the expression of melancholy tenderness on his face what an entrancing creature cried corentin as he withdrew and is she never to be mine never to be the instrument of my fortune and the source of my pleasures to think that she should throw herself at my feet yes the marquis shall die and if i can only obtain her by plunging her in the mire i will thrust her down into it yet it is possible that she mistrusts me no longer he said to himself as he reached the square whither he had unconsciously bent his steps a hundred thousand crowns at a moment's notice she thinks that i covet money it is a trick of hers or else she has married him corentin did not venture to resolve on anything he was lost in thought the fog which the sun had partially dispelled at noon gradually thickened again and grew so dense at last that corentin could no longer see the trees though they were only a short distance from him here is a fresh piece of bad luck he said to himself as he went slowly back to his lodging it is impossible to see anything six paces off the weather is shielding our lovers how is a house to be watched when it is enveloped in such a fog as this who goes there he called as he caught an arm belonging to some unknown person who had apparently scrambled up on to the promenade over the most dangerous places of the rock it is i was the guileless answer in a child's voice ah it is the little red-foot lad do you not want to avenge your father corentin asked yes cried the child good do you know the gars when you see him yes better still now keep with me and do exactly as i bid you in everything and you will finish your mother's work and earn some big pennies do you like big pennies yes so you like big pennies and you want to kill the gars i will take care of you now marie corentin said within himself after a pause 
you shall give him up to us yourself she is too impetuous to think calmly over the blow that i mean to give her and besides passion never reflects she does not know montaron's handwriting now is the time to set the snare into which her nature will make her rush blindfold but hulot is necessary to me if my scheme is to succeed i will go and see him End of section twenty seven